0: everything in life is story story is how we share ideas politics vision fantasies experiences even our hopes and dreams the gibson gazette is a podcast show devoted to story those we consume those we tell ourselves and those told to us how you doing Emory?
1: hello hello good night, morning, evening, whenever you're tuning in. I'm doing well, LMG. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Going good. So I'm L. Michael Gibson, co-host for the Gibson Gazette, and my co-host is AMC, or Anne-Marie Collymore. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> why don't we go ahead and get started with Check In. What stories have you been consuming over the last couple of weeks that you want our audience to know about, and that we're not going to go too deep on today, but we just want to make sure we touched on?
1: All right. Well, my check in today is. It it might be a tad little late, but y'all will know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about DJ Cassidy's legendary BET Pass the mic after party show um, that he did after the NAACP Awards a couple of weeks ago. Now, for those of you who do not know who DJ Cassidy is, he is a huge record producer, tour, celebrity DJ. He does a lot of the big, grandiose parties. I'm talking about the Obamas and Oprah and all of those cats. He DJs those parties. He's, you know, well sought after. So he came up with the concept of Pass the Mic during the pandemic, and it has been amazing from Jump. Um, What he would do is basically he would jump on the ones and twos, have his 24-carat gold mic in front of him, and literally pass it along to some of his musical heroes, whom, of course, we know and love because they're all artists that uh, we grew up listening to. So a lot of the the, the cats from the 90s and... and um, did he have an 80s? You know, I'm not even sure, but it was more in the 90s, 2000s kind of dig. And he's already had over 200 artists from hip-hop and R&B, so that's really, really cool. Now, for this route, he decided to go the reggae route, which was absolutely sick. So I have to shout out for my Caribbean Jamaican massive. And he took us back to the 90s. The 90s, man. I was butterflying and and, and <laughs> pepper seeding and carrying on in front of my TV like I was out of fet, y'all. Okay. So he had Sister Nancy, which is big, 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 big things because... Watabam-bam, bam. everybody knows Watabam-bam bam. Even if you don't know reggae You know these tunes, you know what I mean You were at a club, these tunes were bopping So you had Nadine Sutherland And Tara Fabulous with Action He had Supercat Cat with the Rude Boy Youth Maxi Priest, close to you In here comes the Hot Stepper He had Snow, guys He had Snow, Canadian <laughs> White Boy in pharma Business Okay He had Shaggy and Rayvon uh, Junior Reed Barrington Levy, listen, um, Dennis Seaton from Musical Youth, it was wicked. It was life. And I'll leave it at that because if I start going into it, I'm going to start going into the importance of reggae and um, sound systems and its foundation and the correlation to hip-hop. And I, I can go on and on, and I will not. But that was <laughs> so dope. It was wicked. It was wicked. It was. It's well worth the watch. So if you go to BET's either their Instagram Or you can go uh, search it on YouTube and you'll find all of the clips there. They were fabulous. Check it.
0: All right, and uh, don't forget to let people know you got a, a YouTube page for a video on a panel about the importance of reggae and hip hop. Right?
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Okay, I gotta big myself up sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. If you check out my YouTube- <laughs> if you check out my YouTube page, you'll see um, I was uh, included on a panel. I was actually moderating the panel, and it was about um, dance hall, and it's. Um, uh, you know its importance in the foundation of hip hop and and sound systems and um, just everything and how it overlaps and 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 all all of its glory everything just hip hop wise we were talking about sound systems anybody know Bass Odyssey if you know One Love uh, Stone Love if you know any of them kind of sounds then that would be the panel for you but check it out though because it was a really interesting conversation. Very, very interesting conversation.
0: And for those of us who are not Canadian or Caribbean or into reggae, snow is not referring to cocaine or (laughs) um, actual snow. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make sure I put that out there because you get really excited about snow and I don't want the people to get confused about why you're excited about snow.
1: Right, True things. Not good. (laughs)
0: well as for me i finally got to see two films that i had avoided in the theaters because i didn't want to catch um marion's omicron um back in december Mm, mm, mm. one of which was west side story and the other was spider-man no way home Uh, now for those of you who may be too young or underexposed by your parents to the broadway legend that is west side story (laughs) Um, What's the Story was a musical that happened in the 1950s about uh, rival gangs, the Jets versus the Sharks, um, that were one Puerto Rican and one was Polish and mostly white. Um, And so uh, the musical was music by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, uh, choreography by Jerome Robbins, and book by Arthur Lawrence. Uh, The musical as a Broadway show was very controversial when it came out. Um, It was a moderate success, but not really a hit um, until the 1961 movie directed by Robert Wise and co-directed until he got fired by Jerome Robbins, uh, who uh, directed all of the choreography scenes. He did manage to get uh, most of those choreography scenes in the can before he lost his job. Um, In any case. (laughs) <laughs> yes thank god indeed um because mm-hmm. it, it it gave me something to compare uh steven spielberg's to 2021 version of it which just hit disney plus in the last week or so uh for streaming so those of us who did not get to see it in the movie theater got to see it, this new 2021 revival of it with a book by tony kushner or a screenplay in this instance um I, for me Ansel Egert ruined the musical for me not to the degree that say Russell Crowe did for me Les Mis but you know <laughs> he was mediocre his songs didn't soar um he you know average singer unfortunately Tony has lots he played Tony the the love interest the Romeo in this Romeo and Juliet story and um you know his performance was flat he was just Mayo, he was milk toast. He was he was oh, you know, he was white bread. like it 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 could it couldn't have lacked more flavor. And the original mm-hmm. Tony in the least the Robert Wise film was earnest and young. And you could understand why Maria was excited or captivated by him and his enthusiasm and why she might even be willing to forgive the fact that she kills that he kills her brother in a gang fight, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. believes Ansel Eggert. Is can be forgivable <laughs> for <laughs> killing their brother, like it just doesn't fly. Um, Tony Kushner's script also made some choices that made the um, overall narrative make more sense and even kind of updated it a bit, like it was a, a more believable story. But mm-hmm. because he added extra lines of dialogue and um, changed some scenes around into and, and their um, the, actually the scenes from the original Broadway show were the sequencing, Um, so some people might have been confused, who are more familiar with only the sequencing of the scenes from the film. Um, But it made every scene longer, dragging the pacing. Spielberg as the director was hit or miss for me. Hit was that his world building was peerless. like You were in 1950s New York, um, while going through their own period of urban renewal, their own gentrification process where buildings are being torn down and these mm-hmm. poor folks um, kind of trying desperately to fight for a blighted space that they don't own. Sound really familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, And in that way, um, West Side Story kind of stays very fresh and that you still have to this day gangs fighting over land that they don't even own. And Kushner's script really kind of hits that home. And um, But some of the dance sequences that that Spielberg recorded in this one, uh, Mm -hmm. other than America, interestingly enough, America was flawlessly done. And it it actually is what uh, probably got Ariana DeBose as Anita the um, Academy Award nomination for this year. Uh, because mm-hmm. that is her absolute moment to shine as it was Rita Marino when she won right. her Academy Award for the same performance. But a lot of these uh, dance scenes throughout the film receive kind of MTV music video edits where you get parts of the body and then it cuts to another part of body and another part of the body. And then you saw a group shot and then you cut back to another part. When you do that, you lose lines, you lose the beauty of the body in form, the body in group motion Um And it's like you don't trust that the movement themselves is interesting enough to keep the eye. So you have Mm -hmm. to keep cutting and editing in this very uh, frantic way. And while we are used to seeing dance done that way for music videos, one of the strengths of Jerome Robbins' direction is that you got to see the full body and all this beauty and brutality of, of his particular choreography for West Side Story in the original film. And I felt like it kind of undercut the choreography in this instance by um, filming it this way. Overall, it wasn't a bad movie experience because every single person in the cast, except Ansel, um, <laughs> gave their gave, gave their, uh, a, their, their absolute best. You know, they were absolutely incredible. David Alvarez as Bernardo was brilliant. We already have given a shout out to Ariana DeBose. You know, both of them deserve whatever they're getting um in terms of shine. Um, -hmm. we just had Edgar. And you know, nobody really cares about Baby Driver anymore. Like his ever since these sexual misconduct allegations have come out, um, Mm -hmm. it's undercut whatever kind of appeal or popularity he's had. Uh he's not canceled because he's got a new limited series, Tokyo Dreams, I think it is called, that's coming out soon. And already the knives are out about him and his performance um you know baby driver doesn't need to be in everything and i I, casting just needs to get into it whatever was happening for him before that time has passed so the other thing was you know spider-man no way home i loved it there was nothing negative i have to say about it whatsoever it was flawless it made me laugh it made me hold my breath it teared me Mm -hmm. up a bit all the things all the things were felt Um, The the fight with Doc Ock on the freeway was high-level suspense with a sister, an actual middle-aged sister at that, was the damsel in distress that needed rescuing, right? Like, she was just a regular, regular, regular sister. And that Mm. was amazing. Like, it was great to be able to see that moment. The Inception-level multiverse fight with Doctor Strange gave me all the feels that I wanted. Um, the upgrade on classic villains like Sandman and Electro, not to mention a very sensitive portrayal by William Dafoe as Norman Osborn and the Hobgoblin, were all well cooked and never overdone. Uh, we also even got to see the trio, you know, so oh, heads by me got to see Tobey Maguire looking yeah. aged. And I was like, damn, you know, that milk curdled. And then I realized oh. that looking in the mirror that my milk too had curdled (laughs) and neither one of us (laughs) looked like we did when we were in our twenties and spry. Right. Mm. And then Mm. you had kind of Andrew McCarthy, um, who's also having um, a moment in the sun, thanks to tick tick boom, which I've talked about already and said it was flawless and amazing. And everybody should go watch that on Netflix. Um, He's up for an Oscar this year as well uh, for that amazing performance. And of course, Tom Holland, who manages to do some of the best eye acting ever? There's a final scene in this where he just emotes with his eyes, <laughs> and you want to cry for him and hug him, you know, over he's a such choice. A cutie. He is, He's. but you know, more than that, he's super talented. Um, he is. And you know, we, he is. He, you know and this, we're at a time in which a lot of like, Hater directors whose films are not as successful as these Marvel properties or DC properties, you know, have been hating on the whole superhero thing and trying to act like real acting isn't happening on them. You know, and then you have scenes with Tom Holland and Zendaya and it's like, yeah, that's not, you know, if you create the space, those those actors show up and shine. And they Mm -hmm. give just as good a performance in these films as they would in something that's considered more prestige. So... You know, so those are my kind of check-ins. Those are the things I've been checking out. Um, and uh, talk a little bit more about some films that I'm loving when we get to I'm Loving It. Sweet. Now, what did you think about them? Did you get a chance to check out West Side Story of Spider-Man No Way Home?
1: West Side Story? I was. You see, I was um, apprehensive exactly because of how you broke it down. I didn't want it to taint the classic in my brain. Um I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, eventually set out. When I saw that it was coming out and Spielberg was behind it, I was like, eh, I don't know. Um, I said, okay, I'll wait. And now uh, that you say it's on Disney, I didn't even realize it was on Disney. So I'll, you know, maybe add it to my queue or something. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I'm not in a rush to see it. I thought I'd be excited to see it, but I'm really not uh spider-man i have absolutely nothing bad to say about it at all at all i loved spider-man from beginning to end it was fantastic they need to make a four i don't know figure it out um, <laughs> <laughs> garfield and um toby and and tom were just fantastic it was like spider-man magic it oh, was thank awesome. you for
0: correcting me yes andrew garfield i'm sorry i said andrew, andrew mccarthy I, I mean, oh, yeah. I went all the way back to the breakfast club, Mandu. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> <laughs> I hung up I, to Andrew. I, I, I really good. showed my age. Andrew McCarthy's like ready for a wheelchair these days. I, and, and oh, we, my we, God. Right. We didn't put, put him in breakfast a Spider-Man club, suit. Yes, Andrew Garfield. My bad. I'm sure somebody caught it earlier and was like, who? Who? Um, right. Yeah, so but no.
1: It was great. It was great. I I second everything you say. It was fantastic. My son thought it was fantastic. I even loved, you know, how they, you know, amped up uh, Jamie Foxx. He's not old and crotchety, you know. He's (laughs) looking like a good electrode. Uh, Aged pretty well, if you want, or whatever happened to him. But, you know, looked pretty decent. Uh, Had some pretty good jokes in there. Sandman. Everybody liked the comedy and the drama. Everything just, it was... It matched beautifully. It was great. It was awesome. I have no qualms about anything else that went on there. It was great.
0: Well, that's awesome. I, I guess I, I also probably should put on this uh, caveat about West Side Story. I have been mm-hmm. seeing in my timeline that uh, regular folk love it. You know, critics have pointed out the flaws of Tony and how it undercuts the film, but even critics have said, you know, otherwise this is a really stellar film, and I can't you know, say, you know, this was a bad film. Like I said, I gave it a B um, out of, you know, in my rankings. But there are a lot of people who have loved this version and were not put off. You know, for me, songs like Maria and Something's Coming um, have really personal and even tonight have some personal resonance to me because I played Lieutenant Frank in the high school production of West Side Story. Uh, Robert ah. Wise is one of my favorite directors, you know, for films like The Setup this um you know he's just done some incredible work over the years including some amazing musicals so mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I just found him to his work to be really hard to compete with you know other than the fact that I mean only reason I would remake West Side Story is for the Puerto Rican representation right like so you find right, guy, yeah, yeah you know actual Puerto Ricans not white folks in brown face. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, wearing wearing Alina Horn's Egyptian <laughs> magic from <Mac laughs> fact, Max Rack there, right? Oh, like, so Max Rack, Lord have mercy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, we actually got uh, Latinos playing Latinos, a, a novel idea. Um, Imagine. so you know, so I think that, and and the script tried to correct for some of the uh, more. Racially biased Racial. you know, issues, um, you know, cringeworthy lines yeah. that were in the original film and original book by mm-hmm. Arthur Lawrence. So, you know, I think that you know those were reasons, but yeah, I don't know. I yeah, it, I no, didn't no, really no. see like I didn't feel like the Puerto Rican community really embraced this either. I mean, I feel like there was lots of complaints about it not being enough dark skin Latinos in this too, just like in the Heights. Yeah, Neither one heights, of them seemed to get a yeah. uh, big turnout from the. A Puerto Rican or a Latin American community in America. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll mm-hmm. see. Well, alright, mm-hmm. we're going to switch it on up to our next segment, which is Loving It. These are the stories that are positive, that we absolutely love and recommend people check out. So, AMC, mm-hmm. hit us up with the story that is making you excited.
1: Okay. You guys are going to raise your eyebrows to this one, but Bear with me, all right. So, what has me loving it this week is the Sports Illustrated <laughs> Swim Search finalists. Oh my god! I is it
0: 1992? I feel like what is this? 85, 92? I feel like this is a very... What's happening I'll today? Take it episode? back. <laughs> We I feel like the back. last time we cared about this was when Tyra Banks was on there with her giant boobs. Like, yes, that
1: is. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. You are right. I'm not even gonna lie. And this is this is the thing. So I'm going back in this more for sentimental reasons because I've. I, you'll hear me mention it all the time. So when it comes to sports, that was my dad and I. That was our bonding thing. So I love sports. I, you know. I always laugh and I say, play sports, they said, because now it's like, oh, my ankle. Oh, my knee. Everything hurts. I'm old and everything hurts. So the sports thing, I was deep in it, deep in it. I played ball. I ran track all the way up to college. So um, I'm going to preface this whole thing with representation matters, because as um, LMG just said, the last time that we really got excited about you know, the swimsuit um, search was like when Tyra was on. So growing up, you know, it the Sports Illustrated magazine was one of the staples, the magazine staples in my house. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, especially with my dad, he was on to his football and his basketball. Um, I was into brackets for March Madness. I was into everything. So Sports Illustrated always kept me on 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 my toes. Um, There were no shortage, of course, of white bodies and faces on the cover of this magazine. (laughs) No shortage. At all. No shortage at all. And the issue that always caught my eye was always the swimsuit issue, of course, because for me, you know, girl, um, growing up, uh, I'd like to see women and of course there was no reflection of anybody looking like me until Tyra came on in 1996 and even when she was first on the cover she was with a group of women her solo cover came in 1997 so fast forward to now um we've seen uh, Naomi Osaka we've seen Daniel Harrington even Megan The Stallion was on it uh, oh, wow. I think it was last year Last year or okay. two years ago? Um, and Lena Bloom, she was the first trans to land on the cover, which is pretty inspiring. So every that now and then. There. Did you really? I remember yeah. when those covers came out and everybody was like, wow, I was like, holy shit, that's pretty cool. Um, so every now and then I, I tend to check and see, okay, who's coming up on who's on the issue, blah, blah, blah. Just to, you know, check on the um, on the finalists. And this year they have intelligent, fierce Gorgeous ass and diver- and a diverse crew of women that are finalists. And I-, I feel sorry for the judges. There's um a beautiful brown-skinned actor. She's a nonprofit executive. And um uh there's a physicist, dark-skinned, chocolate-hued black woman. Um, she's a travel ICU nurse. Then we have another um, beautiful woman with her natural twist out. She's a TV host and YouTube personality and a model. I I just, I was like, this is bomb. This is lovely. The fact that there's so many different, um, you know, beautiful colors and hues, and it's not just white, 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 like when I was growing up, which is great. So the blurbs don't really tell you much about the finalists themselves, since they usually go deeper if they happen to win, but in the meantime, I'm just, I'm happy, and I'm celebrating the sheer fact that they made it this far, <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's huge in itself, and then you have a sprinkle of other beautiful women in the mix too, of course, but I love how the pages are consistently including women of color now, and black women, and in, in, uh, again, as I said, all the ranges and hues, ranges of hues and beauty, and of who we are, regardless of your gender, it's it's a beautiful thing to see. So it's lovely when things are done intentionally without being performative. So I, I my hats off to uh, Sports Illustrated because I was I was clapping, I was slow clapping. I was like, all right, okay, this is this is pretty cool. My father would would have loved that. So, yeah. I wonder,
0: though, I mean, so listening to you talk and being enthusiastic about it, you know, it it struck me that this is really such a Gen X and baby boomer thing, right? Like, if you're Mm -hmm, a millennial mm -hmm. or you're Gen Z, I wonder if it's even possible for you to appreciate what magazine covers, certain magazine covers meant to the culture, to the community, to uh, Americans as a whole. Like when Life yeah. magazine was a major thing and Gordon Parks photography oh was there, right? Like, and yes. it was like, oh my God, a black photographer got his stuff on life i mean life mm-hmm. doesn't even exist anymore i don't think mm-hmm. you know nope. i haven't seen no. anything, right? you know like or time magazine man of the year woman of the year yes. or person of the year like those were such events or people magazine sexiest man alive
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know i mean like mm-hmm. they they still do like media around them they do a little pr but this That's the societal like impact right mm-hmm. i mean and this and, and along those lines is the sports illustrated magazine cover which was like this annual thing. Even as a kid, I remember get you know, getting them in and taking them to school because, you know, this I was trying to be popular with the straight boys, right? And uh, as a teenage boy <laughs> and, and teenage boys like things like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit of issue. Of course. <laughs> um or or Playboy or Penthouse. There's all kinds of things that I took that probably would have their parents' hair stand on end. But um <laughs> yeah, there there wasn't, you know, and and, like, and now magazines I mean don't mean anything anymore to people i mean even mm-hmm. even the september issue of vogue doesn't have the impact <sighs> that it had a generation ago it's still important yes. especially for that industry yeah, um that's the but, bible yeah i mean like you being on sports illustrated swimsuit could make your career like that was one of the big gets if you were a mm-hmm. model if you were a supermodel mm-hmm. like that that was what kind of elevated your profile from just being a regular smegular model that didn't nobody know to being a household name right like um so yeah it's it's crazy to me how much the culture's changed and how much magazines and their impact has changed generationally so you know i could see like i said somebody younger being like
1: why are we having a
0: conversation about a magazine
1: (laughs) And and not only that you know the fact that we don't consume magazines like we used to everything is online So it's not to say all of those Magazines you were discussing Those were all in my house too They were all staples in my house Life, my dad always bought time and So he had subscriptions to all of those Again, subscriptions, who did
0: Nobody I mean, this is that, why we right? all thought we were going to win Publishers Clearinghouse, right? Because we, were, <laughs> we had magazine subscriptions so that we could get in the sweepstakes, you know, every right? year. Again, things that are of the past. I mean, now when you get mm-hmm. an email from Publishers Clearinghouse, it goes into the delete file immediately. You don't even know. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm not waiting for Ed McMahon. I'm good. <laughs> right.
0: Like, whew, talk about some stuff that are in a time. Uh, capsule. Capsule. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean and, and there's still moments like, you know, recently Nini Leaks and her um wife were on the cover of Essence and you know that meant whoa, something. Whoa, whoa, to whoa, the whoa culture.
1: child. You said Nene? You want Nini to come for I mean me? not
0: Nene. Oh I'm sorry. <laughs> Ooh, see, this is that. This, this is what forty-seven does to you, folks. Niecy Nash. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. I mean, I, mean, I look. Nene ain't uh, ain't above it. Ain't beyond it. You know. Child, please. Uh, don't, don't, don't get me started. Any celebrity. Don't, I'm always. I'm all I'm never surprised if I hear a story of some kind of bisexual behavior from a celebrity. But in this instance, we are actually talking about Niecy Nash and yes. um and her wife. So excuse me for that. But yeah, I mean. It when they, their Essence cover kind of made the rounds for a day or two um on the blogs and on the social media. Mm-hmm. So I think there's still like moments like that but it's much harder.
2: It's,
0: yeah. To it's not like hit. Like,
1: hmm mm-hmm. And it's not like we had, because I remember like Sometimes when I see Danielle Smith, big up to Danielle, when she's posting pictures on her Instagram of covers that she did on Vibe and I'm like, man, I sat on that Maxwell cover for like a long time. I had it, you know, I had, I collected those things and I had them. I finally had to kind of, you know, let go. And leave them behind when I had initially moved to Toronto, because I'm like, how am I going to ship this all here? And I, I didn't have a place or anything, so I had magazines galore. So the same way you were talking about when we first started the podcast, LMG was saying that he shipped all his entire collection with him, of course, which, you know, I give you props for. But, man, I had to let go of a lot of different magazines. I, you know, and that time Maxwell was on, he was on um, Essence, he was on um, on Vibe, he was on Interview. I had all of those magazines. So it's not the same when you have it and it's like tactile and it's literally in your hand and you has the, the, the doggy ears. And, you know, online and, and consumption and, and having it in your hand are two totally different vibes, man. I'm actually
0: mad. So, you know, someone else packed my house for me and I was, and they were given explicit instructions of what to prioritize. And Mm -hmm. one of the, and and it was like, if it didn't, you know, it's only a 30 foot truck and y'all like 30 foot truck and you can get your whole house in there. No, I I have that much (laughs) junk. Um, And so I didn't realize until fairly recently that one of the things that didn't make it into that 30 foot truck was um, a case that I had of vibe magazines um, mm. Ebony, mail magazines uh, <laughs> that mm. kind of were had iconic covers because I was gonna mm-hmm. frame those one day. You know, you keep telling yourself, "Oh, I'm gonna frame these one day," because I thought they yeah. would make good conversation pieces. And you know, like D'Angelo, the first time he's on Vibe is a yes. is gorgeous, like it's an amazing cover. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, Janet Jackson on Rolling Stones, right? You know, with mm-hmm. you know, these, are, there are some iconic covers that really could go on your wall as art i mean that yep. they now would qualify i mean they qualified back then but you know magazine covers were kind of felt disposable but today those would be rare and you would want them on your wall um so i was pissed when that was one of the things i realized didn't make it um to mexico with me but we should mm. probably move on like we didn't have a whole conversation about these magazines. magazines right but i think it's important like you know that there is a generational thing about. You know, the importance of magazines and where they fit in the culture. I mean, because for all and purposes, they don't really exist in the way that they did.
1: Right. You know, absolutely. I mean, I mean, there's, a
0: you know, some titles that are still clearly on newsstands, but not like it was back in the day. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. So my love in it is going to be short, especially after that. <laughs> 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 um, I loved... The Adam Project on Netflix. Uh, if you like Ryan Reynolds, this mm-hmm. gives you a I double sure dose. Do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds like, mm, that sketch. That sounds like <laughs> that was for some other reasons other than uh, his comedic timing. Uh, and, mm, see, uh, if you like Ryan Reynolds, this gives you a double dose of his unique brand of shady cynicism hiding mm-hmm. a closet optimist heart. Uh, we've seen him do this well in works like Deadpool and Free Guy mm. and seen him shit the bed with it in flicks like RIPD and Mm-mm. Green Lantern. The less said about Green Lantern, the better. Yeah. Um, but here in the Atom Project, it works. And even though he's almost robbed in every scene by the upstaging mini-me of 12-year-old Walker Scabell. Um, yeah. So Walker Scab- Scabell, um, had only appeared, this is, um, I recently saw this, had only appeared in, like, one middle school play <laughs> before yep. this, and um, also had memorized the entire script the of, Deadpool. like, Deadpool 2. Yes! I thought <laughs> that was, was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, and, uh, and today he gets to star with, I guess, one of his idols um, is a 12-year-old playing a younger version of Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Um I was asked if the work was kind of Steven Spielberg, you know, E.T. level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we have to remind people of the goodness of Steven Spielberg after me kind of talking shit about my <laughs> story. Um, but you know, and I was like, nah, it's good, is it, but you know, E.T. is iconic. You know, I wouldn't say the Adam yeah. Project is iconic. Yeah. This is more like Spielberg Super 8 level, you know, which wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It was a good film, but it isn't a forever classic. Nobody's going to rattle off Super 8 off the top right. of their head when they start rattling off their favorite Steven Spielberg films, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is just a great time with family, with a message about the often complicated relationships between fathers and sons. There's a very sappy moment um, near the end. I'm not going to spoil it for people, um, but it helped ha- ha- had me a little teary, Um, and you know, usually I have a deep question to ask about a property, but this isn't that. This is just good old popcorn entertainment. And I had a ball with
1: you get a chance to see the Adam project. No, no, I, I again, I, I do love Ryan Reynolds for you know lusty things and for um, his (laughs) not lusty things, lusty things, yes, yes, lusty things, and (laughs) I'm just gonna keep it real, and um, and his movies, I do actually enjoy his movies except for Green Lantern, which my son makes me watch ad nauseum, and I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, it's so. Oh my God, what? Why is that even yeah. in your house? No. It's <laughs> not, not in even my house. In your house. It's online. It would <laughs> never enter my house. I saw that movie pre-kid, and I was like, oh, hell no. No, no, and no. <laughs> and now that he's here, he's like, can we watch Green Lantern? I'm like, but why? You don't understand how bad it is. Like, <laughs>
2: it's horrible.
0: Yeah. I but mean, anyway. we had such high hopes for it. I mean, and I love the we Green did. Lantern mythology. And it just, it, it just did not come together. I mean, it was a while. I'm not going to lie. There was a while before Deadpool where Ryan Reynolds was in like two movies a year for like three years in a row. And I think the only thing that hit was his uh, romantic comedy with Sandra Bullock. And I mean, the proposal. Oh, yeah. the proposal I mean, but yeah. everything else was just like, bombing left and right, and I kept saying, why are they keep trying to make Ryan Reynolds happen? <laughs> like He's not happening. Stop trying to make happen. And oh, then Deadpool happened and everything kind of clicked, and they figured yeah, out yeah. what kind of vehicle Ryan Reynolds worked in, but I was like, if this was a black actor, y'all would have been gave up on him. Y'all are not giving black actors multiple chances <laughs> ah. to bomb in $100 million films like this left and right. You
1: already know
0: So... All right. Uh, yeah. So, it's complicated. These are the stories where we have mixed feelings about the thing. We love certain aspects of it, but we recognize how it can be perceived as problematic, um, and incomplete solution to the problem it's addressing or just has elements that keep us from absolutely loving it. What is your it's complicated this week, AMC?
1: I am picking on TikTok this week. Um, oh, so oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> apparently and i'll say apparently with air quotes um tiktok is helping artists to build their careers silence okay so <laughs> it's no secret right that black creators on tiktok have been known to receive their short end of the stick Um, when it comes to branding, promotions, and opportunities of the like. We've seen it happen ad nauseum time and time again, where creators, um, even, you know, those that create music, because there are a lot of indie artists on TikTok as well that create music, and it's being used worldwide because the song goes viral, and they're not getting one dime or one lick towards their work. Or they're not even getting, um, you know... a a name or anything tagged or nothing just nothing absolutely nothing so they're left in the dark with no compensation while their songs are going like completely viral and international so finally tiktok has decided to open up their own marketing and distribution side called sound on and i quote they said that they're we're making it easier for independent artists to get their music on tiktok and we're going to work with them to better understand how to reach their audiences. Um, that's from the global head of music at TikTok. And, and they say they're not going to be charging artists to use it. Which is mm. really interesting to me. But, okay. So some say that it's going to be a game changer because um, there are many artists that will be able to reap the benefits from this. And Sounddown is going to function like a distribution company with all of the benefits for the artist. Um, and the big thing about that is that they won't have to give up their masters. So apparently the artist is going to own everything from Jump. Now, the first couple of artists on TikTok to reap any of these benefits that the partnership is um, Muni Long, who we were talking about. Oh, sorry, Money. I was saying Muni. Money Long. <laughs> She spells it M-U-N-I, okay? We are wrecking
0: names all over the place today at the Gibson Gazette. Uh, Blame it on our hearts, not our heads. Or not our heads, not our hearts. See, I can't even get that right. Blame it on our heads, not our hearts.
1: Like my mama said, I didn't birth you. So, (laughs) if I can't
0: remember your name, I'm sorry. We record this before we go to bed, people. This is what's (laughs) happening.
1: Oh, man so money long so her track hers and hers which we've spoken about before that song has gone viral um everybody loves it it's been played crazy and it's on i believe it's on the charts too because it's been doing so well it's been on billboard um and then there's another english singer who's coming up in the same ranks her name is chloe adams and she's gone on to garner 10 million streams on spotify not that spotify means shit anymore but you know what i mean that's a lot of streams So it sounds like a great deal, but my thing, I'm like, is it too good to be true? Like, what about, so we have, that's the music side. I'd like to see what they're going to do with the content creators themselves. So what's in place for them? Because again, we've seen how the black creators get left in the dark on numerous occasions with content that's been stolen. They end up, and um, the white creators end up reaping all of the accolades and opportunities. So do we need a distribution deal for our creators as well? Should this be a well-rounded distribution thing? Um, Is this a good look for TikTok and for independent artists? What do you think from your perspective, LMG?
0: I don't trust big tech companies to do the right thing when it comes to our, <laughs> right our, uh, cultural creators uh black cultural creators i mean look they have these you know minority programs um there 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 are efforts i don't want to um i'm always somebody who gets annoyed when people poo poo uh efforts to try to make a difference even though it's not it's the full on impact that you would want um mm-hmm. i'm you know i'm I'm not saying be grateful for crumbs, but I'm also like, you know, there are people who actually are benefiting from those programs at YouTube, at, at Facebook, they're about to start a, a program that's supposed to uh, support minority content creators um, mm-hmm. and TikTok as well. So, you know, is it, I still don't trust that sufficient to ultimately um, make sure that we get paid on par with white content creators. Right. Uh, you know, uh, but I'm also glad for any kind of positive movement forward, there are always going to be a handful of folks who benefit from these kind of programs and most of them won't.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: I think that that's that's going to be true here, too. Um, but yeah, what about you? I mean, do you feel like ultimately that the, this that the, there are good intentions here that are or this is just like for press.
1: I'm just I'm you know I I think that maybe there's a fine line and that maybe there's some good intentions there but I'm really curious as to how much of their soul they have to give away in order to keep their masters and mm. what exactly is in this contract I mean they don't have to pay but obviously big tech needs something what is it that they're benefiting from the artists themselves what what are they taking I'd like to know what the fine print is. Because, of course, I'm not going to tell you that in the article. <laughs> yeah, or, or so. the press
0: release. You know, which you right. and I both are, have been in the field for long enough to know that, you know, what they did was receive the press release from mm-hmm. a PR agent that they yep. quickly refa- refashioned to go ahead and put it out as new, fresh content that they didn't have to have a writer spend a lot of time on. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's a, a feel good press piece but will it ultimately benefit uh cultural creators of color I guess we will soon mm-hmm. find out Yeah we'll uh, cuz one thing about us we will definitely spill the beans if it ain't what they said it is
1: Oh for sure and I know for a fact Money Long is um she's not afraid to speak out <laughs> so I think that if um she caught a got got caught in a corner uh she would definitely voice her opinion and let us know what's going on so I'm hoping for the best. Don't get me wrong. I'm hoping for the best for these artists. If they do fall into this partnership or decide to use the program, then by all means, I hope it works out to their benefit and for them. And um, we get to see more artists uh, actually get paid for their creativity because that's what it comes down to. Uh, awesome. So this actually dovetails nicely
0: with my It's Complicated for this week, which is the verse is in the deepest of debates over the new Ralph Lauren HBCU collection. For those who don't know, it has been conceived of and helmed by James Jeter, a 2013 graduate of Morehouse College and employee of Polo Ralph Lauren, and features faculty, alumni, and students of both schools and models. The entire rollout um, is just, you know, to me... Gorgeous. The 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 mm-hmm. clothing um, borrows heavily from the 20s through the 50s. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Grio's Panama Jackson uh, talked about the fact that somebody called it civil rights chic, and after he heard it, he could not unhear <laughs> it. <laughs> um, right, like uh, according to Vogue, uh, the campaign was shot by Nadine. I'm gonna. I'm gonna butcher this person's last name, so I'm just gonna spell it I J E W E R E. I think it's Ijewere. Yeah, yeah. See, this is this is bad. This is what that Western tongue is failing this African name. Um, you know, this is what this is why the legacy of slavery, y'all. Legacy of slavery. Um, Mm -hmm. we can't even say our people's names right. Uh, making it the brands first where black folks were used exclusively both behind the scenes and in front of the camera. Mm. Now, um, Panama Jackson also pointed out in his article about this campaign that Ralph Lauren committed to donating money to HBCUs and Ralph Lauren Corporate Foundations donated $2 million to Morehouse, Spelman and 10 other HBCUs via the United Negro College Fund as a collaboration in December of 2021. And other efforts have also been made to To these um, universities and institutions Um, and they're going to financially benefit right like um, there's licensing because what happened for those who may not be aware of what were the inspirations for this campaign was they went into the archives of Morehouse and Spelman. Mm-hmm. whose, you know, letters have been the primary. Uh, you get a giant M and S's and stuff. So I'm sure right. some of the other universities, you know, like Bennett and Howard may <laughs> <they> fell away at, <laughs> you know, FAMU, um, you know, other HBCUs of note, Fisk, um, But uh, yeah, Morehouse and Spelman um, uh, opened their archives, their photo, photographic archives to the designers to be able to draw inspiration from our twists. Like, how did black people put a twist on clothing um, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s? Like, yes, mm-hmm. you know, so one of the, the people on my thread in discussion was like, you know, we just wore what everybody else wore. It's like, no, we, we have never worn what everyone else wears in the exact same way that everyone else wears it. We exactly. have always done our own thing. It. We mm-hmm. always put a twist on it. And mm-hmm. then the culture follows us, right? Right. Like, and how right. we do it. And so, um, you know, and then today, you know, it came out. So some people who felt salty about the campaign um, brought up the fact that Andre 3000 back in 2008 launched a clothing line Mm -hmm. called Benjamin Bigsby, which Mm -hmm. has some of the similar looks from that era. Right. Mm-hmm. That kind of um, what one of my followers called the Newsies look. <laughs> <So> <laughs> 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 referencing the musical and film by Disney oh, about um, the paper boys of the Depression the the, the, the yeah. era. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, Look, it. I actually love that look on us. I have always thought that um, we looked Better, quite frankly, when we dress like that. Um, and it's mm-hmm. not about respectability. I know some have called this respect- respectability chic, too. Um, but, you know, they're amazing clothes. They're amazing looks. And I I think that anytime we see us in them, everybody's like, oh, you're looking casket sharp, right? Like, yes. I think that uh, if this doesn't do well, like, so, you know, clearly we are like on day two or three of a conversation about it. So the campaign has already had the impact that it wanted to have. Tongues are wagging, the bits are being had, mm-hmm. photos are being shared, thought pieces are already being written. Um, and I, you know, and then there's like people who are making up stuff. They're like, oh, you know, it's Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren don't like black people. I was like, you know, that was Tommy Hilfiger. Uh-huh. That was supposed, to, and that and that was an urban myth that was that, already yeah. proven right. It was an urban legend right. that was proven not to be true. Oprah had to invite Tommy Hilfiger on the show to prove that it had never been said on her show, right? Uh, you know, and so now we're, like, confusing our white designers, right? Our white Americana designers at that. Mm-hmm. You know, Ralph Lauren has um, long been a champion of, you know, Black folks and, and had models like Tyson Beckford was their signature model back in That's the 90s. Awesome. That was how Tyson mm-hmm. Beckford became a major supermodel that for like a decade, he was the face of Ralph Lauren. So, you know, I don't know. Like people, I feel like people, you know, want a capitalist institution to not be a capitalist institution. Like Ralph Lauren, one, doesn't owe anybody anything. They can do what they want to mm-hmm. do. Um, and, you know, they're making an overture towards our community, um, specifically, um, for a look that we owned and employ black folks behind the scenes. White folks didn't make this, right? Like, this is a black designer. You know, they are not culturally thieving. They're letting us know the looks were given to them by the Mm -hmm. archives of Spelman and Morehouse. Now, you know, you could take issue with Spelman and Morehouses opening up their archives to Ralph Lauren versus, say, Benjamin Bigsby (laughs) or some other black designer. But it's also like, did other black designers ask for the archives of mm-hmm. HBCUs or is this something that you know was an original fresh idea um, that came from this particular black designer at Ralph Lauren? Um, and I also don't understand, like, what is the end game? Do we want to be represented by mainstream labels and designers or do we want to be invisible to those designers? Because when they didn't pay us any attention and they didn't feature us and they didn't think about our aesthetic and they didn't think about our clothing and they didn't make stuff for us, we complained that they, we were being excluded. Now that they're doing it, the argument is, oh, they're exploiting our, our, our resources. This money should be going to black designers. And it should. You should be going to support black designers. But <laughs> like, like, but to say that... I mean, but, you know, and there are great black designers, but they didn't come up with this particular campaign. They didn't come up with this particular look. I mean, and when they did, Benjamin Bigsy failed, right? Like Andre 3000's clothing line failed, and there are lots of good reasons for that that have nothing to do with the quality of Benjamin Bigsby. You know, one Mm -hmm. of the things I pointed out um, when somebody brought this to my attention, I was like, I didn't even know this brand existed. I was 33 when that happened. I was an Andre 3000 fan. I never saw the brand. (laughs) Right? Like, and, you know, I'm like, I'm not mad at Ralph Lauren for telling a better story, right? HBCU Archival informed, HBCU Alum Created, because the, mm-hmm. the designers are HBCU alum, HBCUs nice. financially benefiting from the sales. Um, it had viral appeal through a smarter, more strategic marketing and promotional push than, say, Benjamin Bixby might have had. And now maybe in 2022, when a story can go big without a strong PR and media connection from magazines, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm, newspapers, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, yeah. you know, when a small shopper brand can do... Um, just to get the same kind of attention through social media, right. you know, yeah. But in 2008, we didn't, we weren't on social media like that. Facebook no. wasn't even really a thing, you know. So this brand mm-hmm. obviously yeah. didn't have the needed media attention for a variety of reasons to go big like this RL campaign has gone um, and been able to do. And yes we can argue that budget differentials play a role in why we know about Ralph Lauren's new campaign and racial mm-hmm, bias in media mm-hmm. plays a role in why we know about the Ralph Lauren campaign. Mm-hmm. But some of it is just who told a more compelling story to grab the, the buying public's and media's attention and Ralph Lauren yeah. told a better story. So, you know, ripped to the RIP for Benjamin Brigsby, um, for being a brand before it's time. um, but that doesn't take anything away from me anyway from the Ralph Lauren launch for their HBCU collection. And I'm in hot ass Merida, Mexico, and I'm still going to try to figure <laughs> out how that. You know, they got if they got my size. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to put it in a little storage for when I go visiting someplace cold later on, because these there are classic know. clothes. Like the yep. fact that these looks are classic. You can wear these looks At any point, at any time in American history, except maybe the 70s, because the 70s was just weird. Um, And (laughs) you're going to be complimented on these clothes, right? Uh, You know, so that's my, it's complicated. Um, What do you feel about it?
1: I love it. I love the aesthetics alone for me were on point. I mean... Oh my gosh. And I've seen a few articles, but for me it was the the article in Vogue, which is uh, I think the one that um you sh I think you shared this one. The Panama um,
0: Jackson you're talking about. hmm Uh
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And the pictures oh my. Like I'm look I'm staring at it and and the uh the you guys gotta go and see the pictures. I think the the pictures alone will just will 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 take you to where you need to go visually and wow. And not even just the the campaign pictures, but the um pictures from um from Morehouse, the basketball players, and they go into, you know, the assembly halls and Martin Luther King and like their inspiration. They went in. Like they went into the archives. <laughs> they weren't playing. And when you see the um the clothing with the ladies and i you're right it's 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 what we used to wear like that i i even remember just in high school you know when i don't i'm sure this was in uh the states too but the blazers were a thing man blazers and your jeans and your polo shirt that was it with your loafers and it's almost yeah. kind of like the same concept that's coming back around and then the skirts, and then the button-down blouses, and then the um, argyle sweaters, or the man. Listen, this is this is it. I was just I was floored, honestly, when I first saw it. I didn't even think to read anything else into it. I didn't want to hear any of the bickering back and forth or whatever. I just wanted to kind of soak in everything because it was it was just beautiful. I thought it was gorgeous. And um, but um, I'm going to do more reading in terms of everybody's um, perspectives but i feel that this designer he did it right <laughs> like yeah he, i mean you know what i mean right exactly you want
0: black black photographers black models black designer Black people what? financially benefiting. What? I mean, obviously, these HBCUs are going to get a pittance compared to what Ralph Lauren's going to get, right? Like we, we're not, not going to lie to ourselves. We know this
1: already. We're not stupid. But yeah, yeah, a, but
0: they're getting something, and 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 trust mm-hmm. HBCUs need every dollar they can get. <laughs> no you mm-hmm, know shade. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, and to your point, I hadn't even thought about that. Like the '80s, you know, preppy was all the rage in the '80s with the, yeah. the polo collar, and you know, and I remember as a, a little boy wearing my um, sweaters. Uh, On my shoulder, you know, with the little front of the the, the sleeves, making a little ball in the front, you know, right? Like there was there was a time we did, and I definitely had penny loafers Mm. with a penny in them. Of Um, course, you know, uh,
1: somebody come on, come on,
2: you
0: know, somebody was talking about the fact that, um, you know, uh, you know whether or not this was going to be a success, and and part of what I said, well, I think we're one we're entering a conservative backlash era. I think we're you know in the early days of it. I think some of us want to believe that we're only in the middle of it or almost over it, but I feel like we're still in the early days of just how bad this conservative backlash is going to be. Um, mm. And, you know, when conservative, when things get more conservative, so do our clothes, right? Like, and so yeah. I think that there's there's room for this to potentially become a phenomenon to inform fashion. And in kind of what is considered, there's also like this movement among men, particularly young black men to dress professionally and have like, you know, Jay-Z hadn't been inspiring this for a while, right? Like this, you know, have your suit look, you know, in addition to your urban wear look. Mm
2: -hmm. And so,
0: that you know, I think the time wise that also kind of can have an impact. Um, But there is the other part of this, which is that these clothes are fairly dressy. And we are in a phase where people are, you know, one out of seven jobs are remote work. Um, yeah. People are even going to church online. You know, sure. we're not getting dressy. We're not getting casket sharp for people each other don't dress up for church as either often. Either <laughs> right, right. So I don't, you know, so then to be, you know, and these aren't really club wear, right? Like, you know, so. <laughs> All right. You know, so it's kind of like, where are we wearing this stuff? Like, it's beautiful. Brunch. But, you know, right. You can dress up for brunch. But, you know, mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see whether or not, because we're in such an athleisure period. Yeah. period. You know, yeah. will will we embrace this look as an opportunity to get dressy? You know, or will it kind of be like people have their one or two outfits for this for when they want to have to flex, right? Um, yeah, but for most it of us, we idea. like throwing on a, sh- a button-down shirt in front of Zoom <laughs> for work <laughs> with no bo- with no bottom, with right?
1: <laughs> with no bottom on, right? <laughs> oh gosh, I think I think it's the latter. As you said, I think people will buy a couple of pieces where you can make a solid outfit, and you know, okay, I'm gonna, you know. I'm going to the winery with my girls because that's a winery outfit right there you know your polo shirt, your pants your loafers, whatever or I'm going to go chill for brunch or whatever I think that um, people are going to have their specific pieces that they can match up with other pieces in their closet and keep it moving if you know it really continues uh, the leisure wear kind of period continues to kind of trail for a little bit longer which I think it will to be honest but uh, I, I think I I will go with the latter I think people will definitely support and buy pieces But not go like mad crazy Like if we were all heading to the office like we used to Yeah Alright, well let's give a
0: reminder Be sure to like, subscribe, follow and share On whatever platform you're listening to us on um, And also comment or review where possible So that we can climb the charts of the various platform algorithms This show is on Now, back with the show All right, Amory. This is the (laughs) just no. These are stories that we hated or have harsh critiques for. This is where we go in. Give it to me, AMC.
1: Okay, y'all. I am coming to y'all from an entrepreneurial perspective. And because Miss Kim Kardashian really ruffled my feathers with this one. So I'm going to go back a little bit and let's talk about the grind and hustle culture. So what are we really doing and who is it serving and why are we hurting ourselves like this? Um, So uh, I believe I read on LMG's page, he had posted an article talking about black business ownership is higher than pre pandemic. So women are actually driving that growth. Black Um, women. Black women. Yes. Which is absolutely fantastic. Yet on the other end, here's where I step on my soapbox here, Um, I read this article in The Cut. And um, mind you, this author was a white woman, but uh, a lot of Black women, we do this to ourselves too. I mean, I'm not even going to lie. I used to do this to myself too. But it's this whole just grinding, grinding, grinding thing. And so let me take this uh, author's situation here. So she was able to leave her day job because her second book manuscript was acquired by a publisher. She used to suffer from migraines just here and there. But then they became worse because of the pressure, pressure she imposed on herself since her first novel really didn't uh, perform too well. Now, she hit rock bottom when she was on tour. She was doing 60 events in a 14-month span imagine that crazy she went from yeah that's stupid she went from having migraines here and there to a 14-day migraine that landed her in the er i suffer from migraines i cannot even fathom a 14-day migraine that is not a joke now she kept on working when she had this 14-day migraine So then from the 14-day migraine, it went to daily migraines where absolutely nothing, including medication, worked for her. So she finally had to stop and address the relationship that she had with her body and her health. And she said, I quote, I had put my writing, my ambition, and my success over not just my health, but my experience of life. That sentence right there? That did it for me. I was like, wow. Okay, listen. So think about how weighted that statement is. And again, it's not just a white woman thing. I'm talking in general. And as Black women, I think because we know we have to work extra hard in order to achieve what our other counterparts achieve on the daily like nothing, we have to put five times the grind on top of that. So we kind of sometimes end up, and I know women who have done this, just kept on driving themselves into the ground until they hit a wall. And that is not healthy, guys. In this toxic growing culture that's been promoted and um, like literally force fed to us for years, we've allowed ourselves to be consumed with work. And it's a known concept, especially in tech and startups. And I've worked in tech and I've worked with startups and it is, I've seen people check in on the weekends. I've seen, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no. mm -mm." So it's everywhere. And in my early stages, as I said, I fell into this trap, too. And I fell into it while I was in a corporate job, too. And I learned two very important lessons. And I carry these two lessons with me to this day. Like, I'm absolutely fucking amazing at what I do. That's it. That's all. I'm aware of this already. But I refuse to burn myself out for a company who can replace me at any minute. Like, I'm simply a body and a number on a pay stub. I'm not doing that. Like, you have to know where the limit is. And boundaries, That that's, that's it right there. Boundaries, they're so, so important. So for yourself, for your clients, for employer, emphasis on the word so important, you need boundaries. And even for people in your personal life, if you want to stay home and you don't want to go out, Stay home and and on and veg on the sofa. Don't go out. Do what you want to do. Don't feel guilty about it. If you need to rest, rest. So now I believe there's a balance between working hard to achieve your goals and grinding yourself into the ground. There, there's a fine balance. So from the the writer's statement alone that she said, there's there's really a lot to unpack. So <clears throat> I feel that ambition and success is great and all. But how are you going to accomplish anything if you don't have your health? If you don't have your health, you can't work, you can't do anything. It doesn't make any sense. So what life experiences have taken you this far pre-hustle? What has changed? Like, how does the grind culture reflect in the way that you work? There's so many questions that you have to ask yourself um, while you're in the midst of all of this this grinding 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 is it worse your mental and physical health it's not and then that that's when um kim came with this stupid variety magazine clip did you happen to see that as yet i'm sure you have uh, well no I, way saw you the,
0: have. I saw the the amazing takedown on it um uh, <laughs> that that went viral got since 500,000 views uh but yeah uh, yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no. That's I just I, the quote with her. You know, women have to get their fucking ass up and work. So I mean, okay, Miss Upper Class. I, it just the backlash. It came just fast and furious, right? And she can grind, continue. but her grind is on a whole other. I don't know. It's 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 just not. It there's no correlation. Absolutely no correlation. Because you can speak to a Black woman who just started a job, who's getting paid minimum wage, and who works their ass off every single day. Her work ethic does not correlate to her monetary success. That is that. We know this. Um, And there's so much more that can be said, but I'll step off my soapbox and i'll leave it at that (laughs) um (laughs) you're an entrepreneur at heart as well lmg and okay yes right now you're in the corporate world but you are an entrepreneur so what do you think about growing culture and its repercussions on you know on us in general
0: um i was trying to find this name of the sister because uh uh she took her take down Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay. Yeah, I yeah. was trying I knew like I, I was trying to figure out how to pronounce her name as well. Um her takedown of Kim Kardashian on this subject Thick. was legendary. I mean, yes. it, there was she left no stone unturned. And there was like it nope. wasn't a hater. Like, you know, there there's sometimes where I feel like some of the Kim Kardashian backlash is hating.
1: Um yes, I agree. and then yeah.
0: you know, it's like you know, some of the things y'all complaining about you know, I don't, I don't Limp. trust it. But, um, <laughs> but this takedown, there wasn't a single thing said that was not verifiable. You it know, facts. And, um, mm-hmm. and 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 she went viral for it. So, yep. Um, in terms of grind culture, you know, look, it's tough. Like we are told, we as Black folks live over our head with the mythology of our laziness, with the mythology mm-hmm. of our pathologies, Um, you know, if we don't own a house, if we don't dress a certain way, if we don't have a hot new car, if we aren't able to pop bottles and, you know, aren't Mm -hmm. able to do VIP. I mean, there's so much pressure on us to reflect not just capitalism, but like the highest level of capitalism while still, you know, entering marketplaces with our hands tied behind our back. We still know that to this day a white man with a prison record and a high school diploma will earn more money and can get a job faster than the black man with a college degree right mm-hmm. like and so and, and that even with all the success black women are the number one most educated um group of people in all of America including white men including Asian people right like black women lead in education statistics and yeah. They still aren't getting dollar for dollar in their paycheck, right? What mm-hmm. a white woman is, what a black man is, right? So yeah. um, you know, so we're we're we we're asked to live these lives of flexing and leisure on Instagram and look good and and all of these things, you know, whereas before we could look good off of some um, you know, when I was growing up we would go to the thrift store fi stuff and and make the thrift store stuff hot, right? I and mean, Philly folks yeah. still do this. It's kind of actually still a part do. of Philly culture um, mm. to make thrift store looks hot. Um, but yeah, like now, you know, if it's not limited edition this, if it's not Fenty that, if it's not, you know, the couture designer, um, then it's nothing. And we're supposed okay. to be nothing without it. And so, um, Even if you're not flexing on kind of the aesthetic tip, there's the other side of it, right? Like there's the respectability flex, which is, you know, how many houses do you own? What's your investment property? What does your 401k look like? Um, Are you investing in cryptocurrency? Are you in Bitcoin? Are you in, (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, and if you aren't doing all the things, then it's kind of like, oh, oh, you're not. Oh, you're not responsible. You're not financially savvy. You're you're, mm-hmm. you're missing the moment, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thinking got a lot of black people into subprime mortgages that they could not afford. Right, um, and even Keeping when they had, the had great credit, right, mm-hmm. even when they had great credit, the mm-hmm. banks preyed on this pressure on us to always be doing it big. Um. And that's not to say you shouldn't try to own your home if you can. It is not to say, you know, if that's what you want for your lifestyle, it is not to say you shouldn't make sure that you are saving for your retirement, um, mm-hmm. even though the average black man's uh, <laughs> age for death is 71, right? Imagine and the that. sisters ain't too much further about that. So, you know, by the time you hit retirement age, you're not even given a good 10 years. But, you know, um, but you, you should be saving. You should, you know, have some of these things. Um, but everybody isn't gonna be in a million dollar house. Everybody's Mm -hmm. not gonna be able to drive the hot Tesla, you know, and that's gotta be okay too. We gotta make it okay for people who work hard, who try to do the best they can with Mm -hmm. their savings, with their resources, you know, um, And help each other, but this kind of you have to in order to be considered valuable, in order to be considered worthy, in order to be considered not a failure. Um, you know, the reality is is that most of us are average. I mean, we don't like to talk about that, but everybody's not black excellence. Some people are just black average, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that's and, and and quite frankly, that's their capacities and that's their talents, is average um you know and so you know when i grind and hustle culture yeah i'm I'm part of that i'm part of those folks who you know because i grew up poor and i don't romanticize poverty um i have my own demons around making sure i'm making a certain amount of money um mm-hmm. but you know i did let go of a lot of the trapping stuff like i stopped dressing in tour clothing or even trying to aspire to be in that you know, stop spending money on things that weren't bringing me joy, but were about mm-hmm. other people. Um, so there are ways, you know, and and moving to someplace that was affordable. You know, when I moved to Detroit, part of my the appeal of Detroit was it was unapologetically Black, but also part of it was that it was more affordable than Washington, D.C. I loved Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., but spending all that money to try to keep up with the Joneses all the time was exhausting. Right. Of you know, and, and now I'm in Merida, Mexico. So let me even tell you the way I, the, the flex of my home in Merida for the price of my Detroit rent, Yeah, <laughs> that's what you know, like that hustle and grind culture, you can do it big in another country. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that they want you to do it in America will kill you.
1: Yeah, 100 percent.
0: No. And there's a reason why there's a black expat movement. A lot of folks are getting into the fact that they can live a lot more affordably um, with U.S. dollars in another country's currency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that's what I got to say about it. Yeah, I mean, do you, but if this is about other people, if this is about keeping up with the Joneses, this is about impressing folks and flexing, you can't take all of this stuff with you to the casket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: That's your choice, man. If that's what you choose, by all means, peace. Like I I mean, every, there's always a choice, right? There's always a choice. So, it's just it's about making the right one for you. Whatever you think is going to serve you, but I I'm hoping that, you know, it's a smart one, of course, along the way, right? That won't kill you. <laughs> well, my just know
0: mm-hmm. is Herschel Walker. Oh goddamn! Now Herschel Walker is known as an athlete in some circles, but increasingly, uh, this—I believe—he's a Trump supporter. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, is a black Republican, and he's currently the black Republican candidate in Georgia for the really? U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. And is not doing bad in the polls oh. looks like he might could eke it out which is scary oh my and God. part of the reason is scary for lots of reasons you know his policy platforms are trash for anyone who has a progressive bone in their body but beyond that um this republican candidate for georgia's u.s senate uh, came up with an extremely dubious argument about evolution according mm. to the daily beast he said at one time science said man came from apes did it not he said during an appearance at a church on sunday if that is true why are there still apes think about it dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so this statement, <laughs> this statement Oh, Which boy. does not prove the theory of evolution is false. Nonetheless, landed well among the congregation. Of course he, it did. He said, now you're getting too... The church pastor said, co-signing. Now you're getting too smart for us, Herschel. Now, that's a lot of things Herschel was doing in that moment. It was a lot of things Herschel was doing in that moment. But getting smart. Getting smart? No, oh that boy. was not one of the things Urshel was doing in that moment. No, no, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, baby, he was not getting smart. Wow. Um, Walker then doubled down on his damnation of science, according to the Daily Beast, falsely arguing that science alone cannot be responsible for the creation of a baby.
1: Oh my! They're God. still trying
0: to do that, but they can't. Because there has to be God, he said. Walker, the GOP frontrunner, is competing against uh, Senator Raphael Warnick of Georgia in November. So the Huffington Post goes even deeper. Right? So, because there might be some among us who thinks that Herschel was being really smart. There might be some among us who also did not pass high school biology. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Who maybe, not ha- maybe didn't have an anthropology class um, in college, maybe didn't attend college. So, you know, they might believe this. Um, but humans did not evolve from the apes that you see at the zoo. Rather, humans and apes have a common and now extinct ancestor that lived roughly 10 million years ago. The Huffington Post has explained for those who are still confused. Technically, all humans in terms of classifications are apes, but that doesn't mean that the chimpanzee are one step away from becoming people. Walker's summary of evolution is therefore incorrect. There's nothing incompatible about humans coexisting with other apes. So just want to make it clear. Too
1: much Planet of the Apes, man. Jesus. You
0: know, I just you know, but there are people. You know, the pastor the co-sign. I mean, the, the congregation cheered. Right there, you know, you know, there's some black folks in there. You know, there was some black folks.
1: Please don't get me
0: started, right. Mom. So we want to make sure. Um, and also for those who may still be confused, evolution, believing in evolution, and Christianity are not necessarily at odds. Many scientists who support and whose work is is undergirded by the theory of evolution are Mm. also Christians, right? Mm. You know, Mm. so Mm. um, science has made remarkable... Oh, and also about this baby thing, right? Because, you know, they're still trying to do that, but they can't because there has to be God. You know what he said? You know, science has, of course, also made some remarkable progress in assisting people trying to have children like IVF. (laughs) <laughs> you uh, know Now here's the other thing Walker remains The front runner in this race How? Despite having Domestic violence allegations Against him oh, boy. In his divorce proceedings His ex-wife alleged that He displayed physically abusive And threatening behavior during their marriage And that at one point he put a gun to her head And threatened oh. to blow her brains out At least two other women, according to the Huffington Post, have also claimed that Walker threatened them. And, you know, in an interview with AXO, well, I could AXIOS, AXOs? AXOs. Okay, I'm sure I'm butchering that too. This is just the day for butchering, y'all. Walker said he had struggled with mental health issues, but is quote unquote accountable for his past actions without going into specifics about his behavior toward his ex wife. Here's what I'll say to Herschel Walker. Sir, sir, how about you learn how not to put your hands on so-called, your so-called helpmates? You know, the neck to your head and all the other men are the head of household natural order foolishness beliefs that you may have instead of trying to fail basic high school biology in the public square. Sounding like an uneducated backwoods preacher from the Depression. Nobody's here for it. Nobody would sense at least not those of us who graduated from high school or maybe even (laughs) middle school for that matter. So yes, Herschel Walker. I mean, uh, we do some remedial classes with you. If you want to sound smarter as a politician or maybe even just as a human being or as a citizen of this world, but yeah, let's, let's not.
1: Wow. So, um, is there any word about Senator Raphael Warnock? Like, what's, what's the senator up to?
0: I mean, he's running. He's trying to win against, you know, obviously Walker, being the GOP candidate, has a lot of money behind him. And True. we now have voter suppression uh, laws that have passed oh, in Georgia, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. which is going to make it that much harder. Mind you, Georgians already stood outside, in line, upwards four or more hours just to cast mm-hmm. their vote before these voter suppression laws were passed.
1: That is right.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know, had to drive polling places far away from where they lived because they kept closing the ones in the black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, tried to make it more difficult by ending uh, those Sunday bus drives to the mm-hmm. voting polls um, mm-hmm. from church. So yeah, it's it's gonna be harder, um, you know. But Georgia's turned the state blue last time. So, yeah, but you know, the fight is gonna be that much more. But do I mean? But I'm also like GOP folks. Do y'all really want Herschel Walker as your representing you? Because even if you believe some of what he believes, he sounds like he got hit in the head too many times. It's no tino okay. Shade. See.
1: <laughs> oh no! There's all kind of shade there. I'm not. I I sign that so much because every time I hear Herschel Walker, all I think about is Heisman Trophy. Right. So I don't. I don't even go past that. So when you said he was a candidate in Georgia for the U.S. Senate, my head spun. Like it spun. Sorry. It just. I was like, what? He's what? It didn't make sense. And then you start spewing this 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 whole. Science conspiracy? I <laughs> just i I don't know. I do not know. Jesus GOP front runner? Oh my gosh! This is something. Yeah. And now I you're mean, telling me that he actually scary. has a chance to win? Yeah, it's he very has. A, scary. He, he has a he
0: has a very good chance to win. Um, that is, amazing. you know the Re- the Republicans have been paying attention to the changing demographics of America, and they've,
2: yeah.
0: you know, there's always. Somebody in the and you know, skin folk ain't, ain't always our kinfolk ready folk as to as well. jump up and do the work for the massa. For so, you know, God bless, God bless Georgia. Y'all get out there and vote and get those folks registered, get Please. the people ID, get the money to get ID, help people who check them them IDs, make sure your <laughs> your ID is current for this next election come November, because it's gonna be mm-hmm. a doozy. They're gonna look All for right. every excuse. So normally, folks, our last thing you've been letting us down mightily, y'all, we, we trying <laughs> to have a segment called stories, you tell, we want to tell your stories um, and have asked for y'all to submit a half a page to a one page story. Y'all just a paragraph or two, it Ain't gotta be long, we ain't trying to read long. But we need your stories, um, your what the fuck stories, your sex stories, your fun stories. And they don't have to even be real. You just let us know at the end of the story if it's real or fake, and we will tell the audience after we've read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, and discussed <laughs> We're <out> it. I don't know. We are Spinning, on a roll. Spinning and read let's, red. We are sound, them, we sound and like Herschel Walker. We sound like we went to the same school as he did <laughs> tonight. Um, so, like, yeah, uh, we're we going to read it and discuss it and, you know, let the folks know if it's real or fake. But in the because we don't have this story, I have two stories from the media that I want to talk about briefly because we are almost at the time. This might actually be one of our shorter conversations depending on how this goes. So right. I have two stories. They're interrelated. And first one was reported by People Magazine. This one was of a five-year-old toddler who knocked a teacher clean the fuck out. <laughs> Get out of here. According to People, Trisha Meadows who has been a special needs teacher for 13 years, was left unconscious when she was attacked at school by a five-year-old, say police. According to the police report obtained by People, the incident began when two students in the classroom, four and five years old, began throwing things around the classroom and at the teachers, along with flipping the chairs. So Say what? The, the, they, they the, the, the hot and shook the table. <laughs> so what
1: is going on? Four, other and five
0: faculty members, four and five year olds, other faculty members separated the students while Meadows took the five year old to a nearby cool down room. According to the report, moments later, she radioed other staff that she needed support. The report says he actually ran and attacked and jumped on her with his full body weight. She fell and hit her head which caused oh severe God. injury and other bodily injuries where she's going to need surgery.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Meadows somehow made her way out of the room on her own strength. I, hope, I would hope so. Um, the responding officer wrote in the report that he found her sitting on the ground against the wall in a faint state. He said he had to hold her up as she was clearly weak and dazed. When she began coughing and dry heaving, the officer laid her on her side and held her hand, her head straight up to maintain the open airflow and prevent possible choking. Then the teacher lost consciousness. Mm -mm. Right? She was rushed to a local hospital with injuries so severe she had to be intubated. Oh, shit. Now, no charges were filed, though technically the toddler committed aggravated assault with hands, fists, and feet aggravated battery to cause bodily harm or disability. Now, oh, as bad as that was, and, and we should probably note that the child, this was a special needs classroom, right? So this is a special needs oh, okay. teacher.
1: Okay.
0: But the okay, teacher is okay. supposed to be trained to manage a special right. needs classroom. One would think. She's now, 13 years. Poor Miss Tricia ain't even alone. In the same week, this is reporting from Love B. Scott. A student at a Texas middle school threw chairs. People, we got to keep the chairs on the floor. We got, come on. What? They
1: need to be mailed down. They threw
0: chairs at a 73 year old substitute teacher. Oh my God. The teacher was left with a bloody face and threw the chairs right back.
1: Okay. Mm.
0: <laughs> this the uh, There's a series of clips circulating online. I'm sure you can find them if you haven't already seen them. Showed the substitute teacher at DeSoto West Middle School, some middle school, um, being struck in the head Wednesday. Damn! Another teacher yelled <laughs> out after educator Larry Brumfield was hit in the head. One <laughs> clip shows.
2: <I'm> Brumfield! <laughs> <laughs> did, did You're a mess. You should
0: not be la- look at you laughing at the elder and his Azby by children by middle going, schoolers. Oh no, this man. is not funny. Broomfield then could be seen picking up several chairs, because he about that life, and tossing them back towards the student who attacked him, leaving this? other students shocked at what they were seeing. Brumfield said the teen who tossed the chair wasn't even assigned to his class and had refused to leave. The school is talking about all parties will be held accountable, but the tech won't keep Brumfield from returning to a classroom. Despite his daughter begging him to quit. He says, I came up from the ghettos of Gary, Indiana, Chicago. He told cool. the station. I'm from Chicago. So, you know, Brumfield is I definitely know. about their life. I'm thinking as an idealist, I have some things up here. I could share with people that might help them. Now, folks,
1: Holy shit! What kind of we fight got middle club schoolers shit going on and here?
0: toddlers? <laughs> and if you were to just do a simple uh, Google search, or even on some of these blogs, you know the words "teacher" gets hit. You would see way too many of these kinds of stories. That's
1: not right. This
0: was a seventy-three-year-old elder, you know, and clearly respect was not paid granted. You know, whatsoever. But we're in a time where Florida wants to ban teachers from mentioning gay and trans folks and their contributions to American life. Fourteen or more other states and county want to ban teaching accurate American history so that black, brown, and indigenous folks um, are erased. Except to say that we loved all the oppression that happened to us. And Arizona Senate just passed a bill requiring teachers to post their day-to-day lesson plans online so parents can opt their kids out or in to a class that they don't want them to be exposed to. Wow. But y'all don't want to stop sending y'all badass kids that nobody can control to school, including you. I got one word, priorities. Nah, a sentence to boot. Homeschool your damn crumb snatches cause ain't nobody got time to be going to urgent care from trying to educate Joe badass children. Mm-hmm. That's what we got to say on the stories we tell today. What you got on this AMC?
1: I'm flabbergasted. I'm I'm still just trying to recover from um all of this. This is too much. This is too much. What's going on? The, the first, the, the, the five-year-old, the toddler, and that teacher, I'd I I, I I'd like to know what the root was and why that child was, I mean, so angry. And yes, I understand that um, it was... Um, special that needs it was child. A special needs child. Yeah, so I understand that. But she, as you said, she was a, a special teacher. Uh, sorry, a special needs teacher. For thirteen years, so I know sometimes things can go awry, but I don't know that. I mean, we're missing a whole bunch of the story. I, I don't know some the taller one. That one kind of, I guess the the age it hits home, but it's um, a little disturbing. Yeah, because your son is what four years old. He's four. Yeah. Yeah. So, so can you imagine like... just your son next year throwing
0: his whole bruh. body on the child bruh?
1: Listen, I, you know, I have this talk with my with my siblings and with my mom all the time. And I say, you know, my kid is strong. He's a really strong kid. He's slim and everything, but he's strong. So I know if um, Xander was to kick someone in the head or punch someone in the throat, uh, that it would be because he was defending himself or that um, he he just he had to. because he's a very gentle kid. He's he's really chill. He's pretty quiet, and he's kind-hearted. So he's a good boy. But if you're gonna come for him, I I think he will kick you in the throat. And if that's the call I'm getting, then, you know, that's different. But if I get a call saying my child threw a chair across the damn room and hit a teacher in the head, and then flung his 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 body uh, body weight on top of it like I would have a heart attack I don't know how I would react to that um, but again I mean. it's different because this is a, a special needs ch- a child and special needs children I've I've seen um, being in the midst of them. Um, they can get a little bit um, aggressive sometimes, depending on their surroundings or what's going on or whatnot. So it can be a little bit hard to um, try to control them or to, um, you know, keep them from from hurting themselves. It could uh, kind of go left sometimes. So you really, uh, again, it comes down to your training. So I'm really curious to know what transpired and how that came to a head like that. The other one, that middle school shit, that kid needs a talking to because who are you to be throwing chairs to anyone? At anyone, sorry. And then a 73-year-old substitute teacher at that? What kind of disrespect? What is that? What happened there? That's not right. Here's
0: what I know. It would never have happened to Abbott Elementary Barbara Howard, woman of God. (laughs) (laughs) And while we laugh about that, I think wow. there's a generational yeah. thing. Like, I just, prior generations, I mean, obviously, this 73-year-old man who was a substitute teacher. You know, we asked some questions about, you know, has he been teaching this whole time? This is, like, some latter career thing that he decided to do after retirement. But, like, mm-hmm. I just know the teachers that I had, growing up in school and i went to chicago public schools chicago public schools were dangerous you know kids mm-hmm. fall all the time you know i was in fights it, it was you know it was always something happening in them schools but fight the teacher yeah. fight my teachers yeah. oh no ma'am <laughs>
1: oh no that's, sir that's like talking <laughs> back to your parents back then you know <laughs>
0: like, what i mean look and i'm old enough to remember in third grade when i went to private christian school that mm-hmm. the teachers and the principals could get them hands with that ruler, right? Mm. Like, so, you know, going way back, there was corporal punishment in some of these schools when I was coming up and mm. before. So mm. you just, you know, there was a healthy fear of authority or even when teachers couldn't do that, you know, later on as I matriculated through the, you know, school, yeah, y- y- parents will beat your ass in front of the teachers in the whole classroom for disrespecting a teacher. See, there you go. You know, you you know, the, the parents would get you in the hallway. I don't. I saw parents. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm not saying that we need to go back Drape to the days up. of everybody, you know, abusing their children. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be some a basic foundation of respect, like because that's where it's
1: coming from. It's home. Yeah, right? I mean,
0: like this, you know, p- children need to be taught to respect their elders. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know that there's a whole generation where, you know, the elder respect the children. Child, I mean, unless that elder is being abusive to that child, that child needs to stifle themselves, Edith. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm showing all of the the, the X references today, baby, you know, just stifle yourself, Edith. <laughs> like, this, baby, What that's you doing the most? I mean, I just, my mother, I just can't even imagine. My mother would have whipped me so bad. I would have, just no. I mean, I used to get in trouble for rolling my What's eyes. It? Oh have, Listen, even. my teachers don't would even. tell my mother I rolled my eyes and sucked my teeth, and it was it was me and her on and popping at her house when, I, when she Ugh. got me old. Like, no. Mm-mm. Not me. No. Mm-hmm. Not, no. Embarrassing mm-hmm. the family like that? Nope. Anyway, no, 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 no. so y'all get a handle on your children or, or, or you know, we live in an age where your child can be right at home with you being homeschooled, you know, because they don't pay teachers enough. Trust me, I know they I have don't. a master's We're degree <laughs> in instructional design and I purposely chose not to go into education because them salaries was given. Oh, no, ma'am, I, I, I earned that um, mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s. like i I, I can't go back i can't go back not not to those prices Mm -mm. Uh -uh, i love the children but i don't love the children enough to be poor so
1: mentor and and do and volunteer until my heart's content when i tell you when people always ask me oh you're gonna teach i was like "Mm -mm, no no
0: and i'm a born teacher like, I, it's actually what I'm I'm gifted at, but I, you mm. know, I teach adults, <laughs> I teach artists, yeah, I teach, I know. you know, I, I, I find other ways to, to use my gifts. But, you know, that money, that little bit of money they trying to give these teachers for all of that headache, and then they're going to make no. their jobs harder with the anti-gay and mm-hmm. trans stuff, the anti-black stuff. And now we got to put a, a, a day-to-day curriculum to have somebody who might not have even graduated from nothing to tell man, them what their curriculums can be and what they should be teaching. Shabbat. They're doing the most. Anyway. Man. Anyway, so this is what happens when you don't give us stories to read. We start pulling mm. some mess offline and going in. Now, y'all might like all of that, but we actually want your stories. I <laughs> so- the stories, man. Yeah.
1: We started off on such a good um, uh, even keel, too, man. You guys were handing them in, and we are like, okay, and then all of a sudden it just went cold. So... Yeah, maybe we need to remind you guys, you know, we're going to put up our little post so you guys can, you know, trigger them stories and get them popping. We want to hear them. Yes, we do. Well, that is a wrap
0: for this week's Gibson Gazette. Um, Please make sure that you are liking, subscribing, following and sharing on whatever platform you're listening to or watching us on. Uh, we don't have video this time. We had some technical difficulties so we um, have stopped the videos for a minute, though we'll post, you know, a cute picture of us with our audio on YouTube <laughs> and, our, you and Facebook, right? Like we, you know, we'll give you a little face with an audio situation until we can get our technical issues worked out. But in the meantime, um, please make sure you're commenting and reviewing where possible, so that we can climb the charts of the various platform algorithms. This show is on. Um, And with that, AMC, you have anything else for us?
1: No, y'all. Do the do, and we'll hear y'all next time.
0: Peace. All right. Peace out. Um, Make sure. Oh, child, I can't even remember what we normally say at this time. Just good (laughs) night, (laughs) baby. Y'all have a good evening. Bye.